My name is Wade. I'm one of the pastors here at Indelible Grace Church. Our text today is from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 23 through 29. And uh, we've been going through this book. Oh, I'm sorry. I... Uh, uh, we're going to dismiss the children. I completely missed that. I apologize for that. Thank you for reminding me, Pastor Michael. Um, if you have children, they ha- they have kids' church right here. Um, K through second grade goes right here. Third through fifth right here. Alrighty. Um, like, I, like I've said, um, we're going through the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to look at... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 through 29. If you're online, you can follow along on the screen. If you're here at the park, it's in your bulletin, or if you write your Bible, you can follow along right there. So Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 through 29. This is Moses speaking. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses. And spend the money spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. This is the word of God. And the sermon title today is why tithe why do we give of our possessions why tithe and this is can be potentially a touchy touchy subject because here is the pastor one of the pastors of the church telling people to give money it sounds very um self-serving and i acknowledge how that might sound but let me just say a few things. Number one, um, I don't think there's a whole lot of self-interest um, when we speak from the pulpit about this. The No one except the finance team sees what anyone gives. The pastors, the elders have no idea what people give. They don't know who gives. And in our, we've been around for almost 12 years, IGC has. And I think we've preached through giving, preached about giving, I think twice in the past 12 years. So that, that's 600 sermons we've preached. And um, one or two of those sermons have been about giving. So this might be the third time that we've talked about it, tithing. And why are we going to talk about it? Why are we going to talk about tithing? And the main reason is because it's in the text. And this is what expository preaching is. That we preach what God gives us in his word. Whether or not we're interested in it. Whether or not we like what it says. Or whether or not we're comfortable with it. Because the scriptures are what God wants to say to his people. It's not always what the preacher wants to say. But we're under the authority of scripture. Not 
the guy up front. So this is why we're talking about it. Another reason why we're talking about tithing and giving is because it's one of the ways that God shapes us as believers. We are not speaking from a position of financial need. I'm not speaking from a position of financial need. We, the the pastors and the elders, we speak from a position of wanting the people of God to be formed by the Spirit of God so that we can follow Jesus and so that we can help others follow Jesus. This is our vision as a church. Um, we really don't care about uh, what you give, honestly. I can say that for myself. I'm not sure about others, but I don't care what you give. So this morning I want to talk about what tithing is, how God uses it to shape us, and how tithing is a means of blessing. Uh, three points in your bulletin. Number one, the principle principles of giving. Number two, tithing as a means of joy. And number three, tithing as a means of blessing. These are our three points to um, help us understand what tithing is, um, how does it shape us. So the first thing I'm going to do is talk about just some of the general principles within the church, within the, scripture, the scriptures. Um, principles about how we as believers, people that follow Jesus, how are we to think about giving? Um, the passage that we just read is Moses speaking to the Israelites and he's saying that you have these possessions, you have food and you have livestock and you have whatever else in your possession and you are to give 10% of these things. So uh, a little background, in the Old Testament there are two Two reasons why the Old Test, why the Israelites were commanded to give. Number one, it represented a gift to God. When people gave, they were saying that I recognize that all that I have, my produce and my livestock, this comes from God. This is my means of saying to God, this really belongs to you and I'm repaying what already belongs to you. Um, that's the first reason why people gave. The second is this, because um, this was one of the primary ways in which the, the the temples and temple personnel, such as the priests and Levites, which we read about in the passage, this was the primary means in which um, the t- these, uh, for lack of, better, of a better term, um, this organization was supported, was through the giving of the people. Um, tithing is a part of Old Testament law. Um, in Leviticus 27, the it says that God's people are to tithe what they have because it belongs to God. In Malachi 3, it says that if you do not tithe, you are robbing from God. You're stealing from the, the, the one who gave all these things to you. That's tough language. But if you do not give, you are taking away from God. You are robbing God. That's the Old Testament and the New Testament. A few more principles. Those who minister are entitled to receive support. That's 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 16. The poor and the needy are to be cared for by financial means. And we also just read this in Deuteronomy. The fatherless and the widow and those who have no way to support themselves. This is why you give. Another reason why we give is this. 2 Corinthians 9. So when you give, you are learning to trust God. You're recognizing that God is a source of everything that you have. Second Corinthians nine again. Um, when you give, God will supply your needs. You're, uh, this this it's a reiteration that says when you give, God is saying you can give as much as you want because I'm going to supply everything that you need, and you are learning to rely on God. And finally, Second Corinthians nine again. What type of giver does God love? God loves a joyful giver. 
God doesn't want you to give grudgingly, but He wants you to give from a heart of gratitude and happiness and joy because you want to give back to God what already belongs to Him. So this is the Old Testament, the New Testament, some biblical principles for us to think about giving and tithing. And there's also a, a an author by the name of Randy Alcorn. Randy Alcorn, he wrote a book called The Treasure Principle. It's a small little book, and I read this years ago, and it really helped me understand um, what, what are some ways to think about finances and our possessions and money and how this fits into what God is doing in the world and in my life. And I'm just going to read you a few, just three quotes to help us um, think about it in, in uh, modern terms. And the first is this. Financial planners tell us, when it comes to your money, don't think just three months or three years ahead. Think it 30 years ahead. Christ, the ultimate investment counselor, takes it further. He says, don't ask how your investment will be paying off in just 30 years. Ask how it will be paying off in 30 million years. So whatever stocks or ETFs or crypto you buy, hopefully you get some type of return on it. And I think it's proper and wise to take care of your your finances in those terms. And hopefully you have money set aside for the future and that you have money for retirement. That's good and fine. But your life is so short. In six, at least for, speaking for the adults, in 60 years, every one of you guys, including me, will be dead. And it won't matter how much money you have, but it will matter what you invested. And what you give to God now, you're storing up a treasure so that you can reap the benefits 30 million years from now, 100 trillion years from now. What you invest in this life will pay off. So this is something that Randy Alcorn says in his book, The Treasure Principle. Um, another one is this. I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to giving is this. The illusion that earth is our home. Following along with what I just said, um, we have a short time here on this earth. And if you think that this earth is where you belong, if you feel most comfortable here, then of course you're going to invest in this life, in yourself, in this moment. But this is not where you belong. We belong to another place. We belong in the new heavens and new earth. We are exiles here on this earth. We are not permanent residents. This earth as it is right now is not our ultimate home. We have something better And another quote from Randy Elkhorn, the last one I'll read in this moment. Um, The act of giving is a vivid reminder that it's all about God, not about us. It's saying, I am not the point. He is the point. Why do you exist? You do not exist for your own pleasure. You do not exist to fulfill your own purpose in life. There is a bigger purpose, a better purpose, and it's that you Live out the call that God has placed on your life. You do not exist for yourself. You don't exist for your family ultimately. You don't exist for your community ultimately. You exist for God and His pleasure. So these are some principles for us just to think about as we think about this subject of tithing. Our second point is this. Tithing as a means of joy. Um, I love this. Look at verses 22 and 23. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, that you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. 
that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Why are the people of God commanded to give? It's so that they would learn to fear God. The principle here is that tithing is one of the ways in which we learn to fear God. It's not just what we give to God. It's not merely a way to support the work of whatever church or organization you belong to. The reason to give is because in some way your heart is formed. Your priorities and your loves are shaped by what you give and how you give. This is how we learn to fear the Lord. And when we give, when we tithe, we're training ourselves to live as if God really does own everything. That we really are dependent on God. That He really is trustworthy of everything, including my pocketbook and my investment portfolio and whatever money I have in the bank. God really is trustworthy and I can trust Him with these things. How much do you identify with your possessions? How much do you care about what you have, um, whether it be money or not? How much do you care about those things? Because what you care about is what you identify with ultimately. And by giving what we have to God, we're saying, God, there are, there are, are these things clinging to me and I'm so tempted to make these things the priority of my life. I'm so tempted to identify with them. But when we give, we're saying to God, I want you to take this. I want you to take this from me because I can't let this be my identity. I can't let my identity be the, be the guy that is wise with his money or the person that has a lot of stuff. That can't be who we are. And we're saying to God, God, here it is. Take it from me because I want my identity, identity to be something else. So this is not just an obligation for us as Jesus followers to give. Giving is meant to shape you as a person. And what believer is not shaped without pain? How much should we give? How much should we give? We should give enough that it's uncomfortable. We should give enough that your lifestyle has to be different than if you didn't give. You might remember the story in the New Testament of the, the widow who gave what she had, these, these, two, these two mites, um, cents, coins that she had. And Jesus honored her gift. It wasn't how much she gave. It's because she gave out of, it's because she gave out of poverty. It's because it cost her something. And in her giving, she was shaped as a person. And Jesus said, this is the type of giver I want you to be. Give so much that it inconveniences you. And I want to stress again that this is not a pastor trying to build the reserves of his church. Again, I don't care what you give. I wouldn't even be able to find out if you did or not. But God cares. And not because he needs your money. There's this great quote by C.S. Lewis um, in, in one of his books. He says, when we, when we give to God, um, it's like this child that is asking his father for a sixpence. This is a British coin. 
Um, and you give it to him and the father says, that is so cute. But the father all along knows that it's always been his sixpence. And when we give to God, we're saying to God, or God knows, man, this has always been my money. And it's so cute of you to give. I don't need your money though. Uh, the scriptures say that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, which is to say that he owns everything. There is not one thing in your possession that is not completely owned by God. So why does God call us to give? It's because he wants us. He wants us. He wants our minds and our hearts and our affections. And he wants to free us from the chains of possessions and money. He wants to free us from the anxiety over finances. He wants you to be someone who serves him rather than money. Again, Randy Alcorn, this is what he says. Giving doesn't strip me of vested interests. Rather, it shifts my vested interests from earth to heaven, from self to God. So again, I'm going to ask us again, how much should we give? Um, Nowhere in the New Testament does it say that believers are required to tithe in the sense of 10%, which is what uh, Moses is calling for here in Deuteronomy. A commentator, Charles Feinberg, says this, For several centuries in the early church, there was no support of the clergy by a, systema- by a systematic giving of a tithe. Rather, freedom in Christian giving was emphasized. What he's saying is this, um, there, for the early part of the Christian church, um, they weren't emphasizing give 10%. They were saying, be free in what you give. Be free in what you give. Um, I'm going to quote a couple church fathers for you. Um, St. Augustine, tithes are required as a matter of debt, and he who, has been, he who has been unwilling to give them has been guilty of robbery. Whoever, therefore, desires to secure a reward for himself, let him render tithes, and out of them nine parts, let him seek to give alms. So, St. Augustine, he's saying this, that you should give tithes, or 10% or whatever it is, but on top of that, that should be the, the minimum. On top of that, think about how you can help others with what you have with your money. So he's saying, it's fine if you tithe 10%, that's fine, but think beyond that. Um, Irenaeus, who was a second century church father, he says this, the Jews were constrained to a regular payment of tithes. He's referring to the people of God, the Israelites in the Old Testament. Christians who have liberty assign all their possessions to the Lord, bestowing freely not the lesser portions of their property, since they have the hope of greater things. And what he's saying again is this, that we are not bound by this 10% rule. We have freedom to give even more than 10%. What type of person is free? It's a person who is able to let his hand be open and say, God, all this is yours. And another saint, um, if you've ever had mac and cheese by Kraft's Food, the founder of Kraft's Food is a guy named James Kraft, and um, he was a believer. And this is what he says. He says, I don't believe in tithing, but it's a good place to start. I don't believe in tithing, but it's a good place to start. I would say that we believe in tithing, but um, his principle is good, which is tithing, again, should be the minimum. We should always be thinking, what above the the minimum should I think about giving? How much am I willing to inconvenience myself for the sake of the mission of God, for the sake of others? So, how much do we give? Give enough that the thought of it might make you wince. 
Give enough that your lifestyle will be impacted. If you don't give at least that much, then you're not going to be changed. If there's no pain in your giving, then you yourself will not be changed. Do you want to know how to fear God? Let your your budget teach you to fear the Lord. When you write that check or when you send that whatever to whatever organization, organization doesn't have to be IGC. Will it hurt you? And if it does, good. Because God is going to shape your heart in that way. Um, a couple years ago, there was this um, a famous author, Marie Kondo. And she was kind of the, uh, the, the apex of this minimalism movement, which says, I'm going to, to just have what is necessary in my life. And she had this really uh, well-known quote, which is, if you look through all your possessions, um, there are certain things you need to throw out. And if you watch the Netflix series on, uh, for, for Marie Kondo, um, it's this, spark joy. If whatever you has, have doesn't spark joy, then you should get rid of it. And what she wants is for people to have clean, tidy homes and everything that you have has a place and a purpose. There's no clutter, unnecessary clutter. Um, keep what sparks joy. If it doesn't spark joy, get rid of it. And let me take from Marie Kondo this principle, which is this. What in your life sparks joy and what in your life doesn't? Your money or your possessions might spark joy. These things might spark joy, but there is a greater joy than whatever these possessions can provide. And when we give these things that give us some joy, some happiness, some sense of comfort or some sense of security, we're saying, I'm making room in my heart for something that is true joy. I'm making room in my heart for God who is a source of all goodness and happiness and pleasure and joy. What sparks joy? So that's our second point, tithing as a means of shaping us. Our final point, tithing as a means of blessing. So God means for the tithe to be for the good of others. In verse 27, Moses tells the people, don't forget the Levites. The Levites were um, the personnel of the temple. Um, Don't neglect this Levite because he has no portion or, or inheritance with you. He says that there are the fatherless and the widow among you. Give for their sake. Give so that they would be blessed. God makes provision by the by means of tithing so that the temple and the shrines and and those who uh, who work in these places are able to do what they are called to do give for the sake of others support those who don't have the same means that you do tithing is a way for us to bless the world but it's also a way for us to be blessed and I'm not talking about the stuff that you see on TV or Instagram or whatever, um, I, I see these preachers say, um, you should give and God will give you back whatever it is that you want. And um, one of the names for these for this movement is uh, the prosperity gospel or um, there are big churches that say, if you give, then God's going to give back to you tenfold whatever financial stuff you gave and God's going to bless you with this or that. This is not what this passage is saying this is not what the Bible says. 
we are blessed when we give, but God does something other than give you back possessions or money. He might, and if he does, that's awesome, but he probably won't for a lot of us. As we read this passage, here is a, something surprising, something good, that part of the offerings are to be eaten in celebration. God says, whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that you're craving, take the funds that you had, buy what you want, and eat, and drink, and take pleasure in these things. Celebrate. Moses tells them, spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat therefore before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. Do you see what Moses is telling the people of God? He's saying, your responsibility as a people of God is to party. It's your job as a Christian to party, to celebrate, to rejoice Earlier in the passage, Moses says that the offering you would help, would, would help them fear the Lord. And now he's saying that one of the ways in which we learn to fear the Lord is by enjoying this offering meal with your family, eating things that you are craving. In um, author Chris Wright, he says this, Inculcating the fear of God could be achieved during a family party just as much as during family prayers. So enjoy partying and rejoicing is one of the ways in which we learn to fear God. Because what does it do? You enjoy a feast or you enjoy physical goods. And when you do that properly, you're saying to God, I recognize that this comes from your hand. I recognize that everything I have belongs to you. You owe me nothing, God. And yet you are so gracious to your people. You're so good to me. I don't deserve any of this. And you're so good to me. And therefore, I will receive these things gladly from you. Recognizing that you are the giver of all good things. Because God cares about your joy. It's not in the food or the possessions that we find our joy. It's in the fact that we release what already belongs to God so that it doesn't have a hold of our hearts. If you're holding on to something, you're serving it. If you're holding on to something and you're unwilling to give to God, that's your master. And here in the book of Deuteronomy, this is to a people of the people of God who have been in slavery And God has rescued them from slavery. And when God says, give to me your possessions, he's saying, I want you to be released from the chains of slavery. And possessions can make us slaves to them. And when we make space in our hearts where money or possessions once resided, God does something with that space and he does something in it. He makes more room so that the true source of goodness and joy can fill it. God wants you to be joyful. He wants you to celebrate. But if you're not making room in your heart for that, you won't be able to celebrate. You won't be able to rejoice. You won't be able to party like God wants you to. 
there is a story um, that uh, I find uh, intriguing, or one, one that I find uh, a bit compelling. How can God fill our hearts with what's good? And uh, this is this is a story that one day there was a girl who had some candy that her brother really wanted, and um, her brother he was a marble collector, and um, he said, "This is what I care about the most. I, I love marbles. I don't know if kids you could say Pokemon cards or whatever nowadays. Um, I love Pokemon cards." And uh, this brother he he wants the the the, the candy from his sister, and um, she refused. She said, "I'm not going to give you candy." Just like that, I want it for myself. And they struck a, struck up a deal in which the, bro- the brother he promised, "I'm going to give you everything in my pocket. I have these marbles that I really treasure. Uh, I'll give you all the marbles in my pocket if you give me all the candy in your pockets because I really want that candy." So they 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 exchanged the marbles for the the candy. Um, but there was one thing that the brother had a marble that he kept, his favorite marble. He kept it in his pocket. He didn't tell his sister this, but he said, I'm going to hold on to this marble uh, because it's so precious to me. I'm still going to take the, the candy from my sister, but I'm going to keep the marble for myself, um, even though I'm giving her the rest of my marbles. The sister gave him all her candy, and when she did that, he immediately said, did you really give me all your candy? Did you really give me all your candy? Because... By not giving all his marbles, that brother, he didn't have the confidence that his sister would also give him all her candy. And this is how we relate to God so often, is this, that if we hold back something from God, if we don't give God what he asks us to give him, we're not going to live in trust. Sometimes we trust God because he's made it really clear and obvious Sometimes we trust God because in that moment we say, I don't fully understand or believe in this moment, but out of an act of trust, I'm going to give him what he asks of me. If we hold back, to some, hold back from giving God what he asks us, we will not live in trust. And what happens is this, that we project our own stinginess or our own generosity into, onto our understanding of God. We project our own stinginess and our or our generosity onto our understanding of God. So what does God ask us to give? He asks us to give Him everything that belongs to Him. A tithe might be a good place to start. Why do we give? We give because God is a giver. We reflect our Creator when we give. God is a giving God. And one of the most famous passages in the Bible says this, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And let it be very clear in John 3.16, God didn't give us His Son because we did something for Him. He didn't give us His Son because we could pay Him back. God gave us His Son, the first part of that verse, God so loved the world. God gave us, God gave you His Son, not because you could repay Him, not because you're generous. He gave you His Son because He loved you. And this is the gospel, that you were created to know and love and enjoy your Creator. But that purpose was distorted when you chose to love other things other than Him. By choosing your own way of life, by withholding yourself from Him.
and the consequence is death because there is no life apart from the source of all life. And God looked down on us in pity and love, not because we could be generous. He looked down on us in pity and love and he gave us Jesus and he received the payment not of, of our of our goodness but of our sin and rebellion and in turn if we trust in him he will give us he will give us the perfect record of Jesus his righteousness his goodness his perfection so that we can have all the riches of heaven and do you see here unlike the boy in the story God held nothing back God gave us his most treasured possession, his son, Jesus Christ. And if we take hold of him, we can be certain that he can take care of us, no matter what, no matter what. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Listen to this, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God loves to give to his people. And in giving, we reflect our giving God. So hear me again today. This message is not for you to put more money in the basket or to give more through the websites. This message is ultimately not to give, but it is to receive. It's to recognize your own poverty before God who owns all things, and receive what He gives us through Jesus, His Son. This is why we began our, our, our time together with a call to worship from Isaiah 55. Come, you who have no money. Come, you who have no moral goodness to provide. Come, you who are desperate. Come and receive, 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 receive. This is what God does for His people. He gives to His people. And if you understand that, then you can open up your hand and say, My God has shown Himself to be trustworthy. Therefore, all I have belongs to Him. I'm happy to give to Him. Come, you have no money. Come. Let me read for you, um, and I'll close with this, a short passage from 1 Timothy chapter 6. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And may we, Indelible Grace Church, take hold of what is truly life, What is truly life is Jesus Christ. This is what we need. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, we uh, come to you in our neediness and in our poverty and whatever we have in our bank accounts or our portfolios. Those things are rubbish compared to Christ. Those things are, Philippians 3, those things are, are nothing. Those things are dung compared to Christ, God. And may we recognize that Um, this is a struggle that we all have, this struggle that I have, that I don't believe that. Um, Help us believe, God. Help us in our unbelief to be people who are generous and can give, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus who gave himself for our sake. Amen.